Super Nerd Podcast, the adventure that brings you the latest nerd news and rumors from movies, TV, entertainment, and sometimes science. You name it, if it is nerdy, we are talking about it. And tonight's main event is the Bubba Boba Fett Begins. I am your host, Austin, and with me, as always, is the amazing Amanda. Hey. The rambunctious Bob. Hi. And burn, Brady Burn. Thanks so much for joining us. Obviously, we're talking the book of Boba Fett a little later. But we're also going to be talking, apparently, Warner Brothers was going to force a Matrix 4 to happen one way or the other, even without the Wachowskis. J.R.R. Martin has seen the first episode of Game of Thro- the Game of Thrones spinoff, House of Dragons, and loves it. And apparently, scientists are creating a mind control device to use on rats and a whole lot more. So make sure to hit that podcast subscribe button. We love nerding out with you each and every week and if you've already hit that podcast subscribe button you know what i'm gonna say plus 10 nerd xp tia nerd xp <laughs> we love you guys and for everyone else as soon as you hit that podcast subscribe button you too can start earning nerd xp nerd XP. <laughs> now what was funny about that is when obviously jack is not here otherwise she would be saying the nerd xp but everybody started pointing at each other, <laughs> and then nobody was doing anything. So I, so I had to do my own nerd XP echo. <laughs> Anyways, in the meantime, Bob, what's nerdy with you, man? I've been playing way too many 4X games since I'm in between semesters. So I've been playing Stellaris and EU4, and I gotta say, uh, the. Uh, the Spanish really do have the blueprint for uh, oppressing entire continents. Okay. Very cool. What, what kind of what kind of game is it? A like a civilization I, game? Mm, think civilization, but even worse. It is. Um, they're they're games that are made by Paradox Software, and they uh, they take a period in time. And they basically make you play as any country that existed in that period in time. And uh, you go forth and you just try and either conquer the world or dominate trade or do some crazy thing like recreate the Roman Empire. So I colonized all of South America and kicked out Portugal because Brazil is <laughs> Spanish because I said so. Nice. And then I took over Mexico and then the West Coast of the United States. And, and then uh, pretty much the rest of the United States. And what 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 is the kingdom of Bob called? Spain. <laughs> I, uh, really? Yeah, I formed Spain. It's Castile. <laughs> it's Very nice. Roberto. Or did you form Catalan? Mm, no, no, I went Spain. <laughs> I started as uh, Castile. I could have gone Aragon, but you know, just really, really, really old nerddom. Yes. <laughs> All right, Bray, what's nerdy with you, oh, Hold on, I was going to ask Bob oh, if he's okay, finished okay. Wheel of Time. Wheel of Time, yes. Yep, I lost interest. I tried. I really tried. I got halfway through the last episode. I just, I couldn't do it. I'm like, I got more important things to do. So I went and watched the newsroom again instead so I, of finishing the Wheel I, of Time. I stopped watching it after Matt didn't go into the, into the ways. 
Like, I just, I had completely lost interest at that point. I was like, I can't even force myself to watch the next episode. The last episode was just boring, really. There wasn't a lot of interesting stuff to or stuff to it not a lot of action at all and it's like you know what if you're gonna cut for action at least put action in the episode well like they cut the action to keep the travel that's like doing a a lord of the rings movie but cutting everything that's not frodo and uh (laughs) and sam walking should we be worried about the uh, upcoming Lord of the Rings TV series on Amazon Prime? I, it all depends on who the yes. showrunner is. Oh, yeah. Um, I will say this. It probably doesn't have Rosamund Pike in it, and that's a plus in its favor. Just because they uh, centered the entire show around her? She was the executive producer, so she made the show around the character she was playing. Ah. Uh, well, that makes sense. That makes sense. Oh, um, sorry. This just in from my uh, from my news desk, uh, Alex. She says that <laughs> it is a 20th anniversary for Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Were you here last week? You would know that. Yeah, we talked about that. <laughs> I was tired. <laughs> I can appreciate that. Hey, was that a watermelon bubbly you're drinking? No, for those uh, oh. listening at home, this is Lime Bubbly. Lime Bubbly Lime. is not sponsoring this. No, <laughs> watermelon Austin's pole. All right, yeah, yeah, Ooh, yeah. We're both drinking bubbly type waters. All right, let's talk about something nerdy. Amanda, what's nerdy with you? All right, no, I skip Brady. Yeah, Brady, what's Brady. nerdy with you? Hey, uh, you know, I I've enjoyed two weeks off of work, basically mm. just working minimal over the holidays. Uh, you know, I cleaned my office. That's a, that's a, that's a something to, to talk about. But, uh, as far as nerdy stuff, you know, we, we painted up some more miniatures for uh, Gaslands, which is good. We stripped the paint off some Hot Wheels cars, printed guns, painted and weathered the cars <laughs> and put those on them. Did that. My wife and I finished an, uh, a, a, a television series we've been watching since last January, which was, uh, Vikings. Mm. We, uh, finished that up. And, uh, you know, I finished, I started the Dragons of uh, Winter Night. Um, just a bunch of little nerdy stuff. Uh, yeah, Dragons of Winter Night, the second in the Chronicles trilogy. I'm just reading that again, the Dragonlance Chronicles tri- trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of stuff. There was something significant I was going to mention, and I totally forgot what it was. So, yeah, that's about it, that kind of stuff. I've been, oh, VR. I've been getting back into VR. And I pulled up this game I've been playing. Man, this game is so good. It's No Man's Sky. Okay. And it's a space exploration game. Ooh. And it's fun on the PC. But it's really a chill game. You just, I mean, you I go think I in, know this game. Yes, I do know in, this game. In VR, it is such a completely different experience. Like, my boys have played it a little bit, and then I let them play it in VR a little bit. And, like, you know, you're standing next to your starship, and it's like this yeah. massive thing that you, you know, that you're next to. And, you know, it just brings the world. It makes it that oh, yeah. much more immersive. And well, this, uh, like the whole game's like about exploring, right? It, it, and it's for all the most like, part, yeah. uh, like it just creates like endless worlds and alien worlds. Yeah. Yeah. There are billions of stars to visit. And uh, like you can go discover the star system and 
you know, map out all the flora and fauna and the minerals on a planet and discover them, upload those up. So any other space travelers that come to that world, um, like somebody else playing the game, you know, a year from now or in mm-hmm. a week or in 10 years, how long it's gone. If they come across that star system, they're going to see that you discovered it and you found everything. And you can actually rename a lot of the things, so you can name them what you Interesting. want. Interesting. Yeah, it's really cool. So the I will name this plant Han Solo. <laughs> I was going to name the next the I next would. the next planet I find that's that's like a temperate, peaceful planet. I was going to name it Leia's Rest. Ah, you so. should name you should name a planet Super Nerd Podcast. I could do that. That'd be fun. <laughs> I could do that. That'd be pretty funny. <laughs> but that's about it. All right, Amanda. So Austin has finally finagled me into playing D and D with him and the kids. Woo-hoo! Um, he oh, over Christmas he played D and D with our two oldest and um, his brothers. And since we got home, he then finagled me into taking over for his brothers. <laughs> well, what do you think? Well, it, it was really funny because my kids are still learning like what they're going to need. Yeah, they. <laughs> and so we start playing and we spent like an hour and a half of them trying to get their stuff organized <laughs> in game. They, our, our kids can't make decisions. It's like, do you want to bring a rope with you or not? Well, I've got a string. Do I need the rope too? <laughs> but that's half the fun of it. Like my boys will sit and make characters. They'll just go in there and make characters. Like, mm-hmm. hey, dad, print me off a couple of character sheets. And we've played like twice. But I bet they've got 10 characters each just because they like going through the books and all that. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of cool that you guys got to do. What's your uh, race and class you were playing? So I am a halfling fighter. Okay. I was joking with Austin. I was going to be part of the clan of the waist high fist. (laughs) (laughs) And he thought that that was like an actual like religion. And I'm like, no, "No, it's just a halfling (laughs) or a gnome. I did not think that was an actual religion. I meant a religion in gay, like, or, or some sort of like following or something. Like, no, it's just a short fighter monk. Oh, that's cool. Well, that's you great. almost were a, a short fighter monk. So. I, I almost was a monk, but that's the whole point of the clan of the waist type. We got, we got a, uh, we've got a, elf, a wood elf rogue. We've got a human wizard and a halfling warrior. And our wizard is waffle falafel. <laughs> All you need now is a gnome barbarian. Uh, (laughs) it's been done (laughs) oh i bet yeah i bet interesting interesting all right we've got some nerd news to talk about so uh warning news was sparse after uh the new year so so we're doing the best we can here we go many bothans died to bring us this information What is the news that should be on your nerd radar? Well, check it out. I was actually looking forward to this. We we were talking about this on our podcast calendar for this upcoming year. Uh, Morbius has been delayed again. That's right. Sony Pictures has delayed Morbius from January 28th, which was just right around the corner. And they've pushed it all the way back to April 1st, 2022. Morbius star Jared Leto 
is starring as the anti-hero Dr. Moore, Michael Morbius. After being diagnosed with a rare blood disorder, he is determined to save himself and others while he seems to have found a cure. It has come at a horrible price. So Morbius, unfortunately, is no strangers to delay. The film was originally supposed to be released July 31st, 2020. Then, obviously, the pandemic pushed it back to March 2021. Then it got pushed to October 2021. Then it got pushed to January 21st, 2022, and then pushed again to January 28th, and now April 1st, 2022. You know, the big question I think many of us have is, you know, what universe will Morbius actually be a part of? Uh, This question has only grown stronger considering the second Morbius trailer mentioned both Venom and Oscorp Tower, the Daily Bugle, and it has had Spider-Man graffiti in it. Then we also had an appearance of Michael Keaton's Vulture, who's a part of the MCU. So we'll have to figure out what universe he is in, but we'll have to wait one way or another till April 1st, 2022. So I, I will admit that moving it to April actually kind of makes me feel like, well, maybe... It won't be so bad because they they put it in January twice, and January is kind of where the um, the studios put movies that are just duds. Mm-hmm. January, no faith in. Yeah, <laughs> and, and they put it not only once in January, but they put it twice in January. Yeah, I had some concerns. Yeah, really. <laughs> so they moved it to April. I'm like, okay, well maybe they have a little bit more faith in it. Yeah. Well, and the trailers make it look really good. Yeah. But so do a lot of things that come out in January. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. There's been no buildup for this movie in uh, the last month. Like, usually they start releasing more and more trailers. And so it's been very quiet. Well, I I think part of it is is they've been waiting... on the um, um the I, I someone pronounced it Omicron, so it sounded more like a transformer. Mm. <laughs> oh, oh my cron, that was what it is. Oh my cron. Oh my cron. Oh my cron. More than meets the eye. <laughs> All right, moving on. Apparently, Warner Brothers was going to make a Matrix Four with or without the original director's involvement. So if you watched. The Matrix Resurrections, you may remember a certain scene involving Jonathan Groff's Agent Smith character taking a swing at Warner Brothers about the possibility of leaving the creators of the Matrix franchise behind to make another Matrix film. Well, it turns out that this was a possibility in real life because during a recent interview with Collider, the Matrix Resurrections producer James McTeague admits that the studio had plans to hire a different director for the film if the Wachowskis didn't want to make it. When asked about that, he said, quote, Look, I think when you've had a franchise with that much potential money-making capability, there's always talk. It's in the same way that the Marvel Universe repeats uh, and turns in on itself. Or you have a Spider-Man, or you have an Iron Man or Thor. There's always a potential to update those movies just because of the possibility of making the money and telling new stories. I shouldn't say it's just purely fiscal thought. But yeah, look, there were versions out there. 
but they hadn't landed on the right version. So when Lena uh, Wachowski eventually came back around and said, look, I'm interested in making another movie, of course they went with the filmmaker who was the genesis of The Matrix, end quote. In addition to this, we actually had uh, a listener reach out, David S., and here's what he had to say. I really wanted to like it, but I found it had exceptionally long dialogues that seemed forced, and a lot of the action recycled from previous movies. Even the end seemed a repeat from the first Matrix. It's hard for sequels to match their predecessors. David S. proven that the smartest people listen to this show because David <laughs> S. is exactly right. You know, you kind of got that dig, though, um, in the in the because yeah. it, didn't, it didn't really fit. You know, it stuck out. And, uh, you know, they were going to make money off of it. OK, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's just above halfway on, on Rotten Tomatoes. And in my opinion, too, it's like a either or. Maybe it would have been better. Who knows? Maybe it would have been worse. Who knows? This movie is completely unremarkable in all ways possible. So mm. I think it's kind of funny that they dug it, dug into it like that in the dialogue. Yeah. You know? well, That's like a little needle in the ribs, you know? So what's really funny is I was actually reading an interview with um, – Oh, Wachowski's? No, it was one of the actresses, uh, Chopra. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, whatever her name yeah. is. Okay. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so she was saying that she didn't even understand her character. So <laughs> when she would have to go do interviews about the movie, they would call Lana and be <laughs> like, "Hey, I'm doing this interview. Can you give me a little bit more backstory about my character?" And they would come back, come away from those conversations with Lana more confused than they were <laughs> before they went in and multiple oh actors have reported that oh my word <laughs> that's uh unfortunately that's a problem when you don't when you don't know your story well enough to be able to explain it to somebody and you have to double back and fold in on yourself in order to get uh in order to get that information out there you know that is not developed enough. Yeah. Yeah. So check this out. If uh, if this was basically a uh, a giant troll move of hers, then it had to be like the most expensive troll move of all time. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's and it's kind of funny. It's like we all got to participate in that. Yeah. So, apparently, um, I mean, it has made about 105 million right now on a budget of 190 million. So, 190 million troll move by the Wachowskis. Oh, boy, that's kind of funny. It'll probably that, break that even. Feels depressing. Yeah. It'll break even. Yeah, probably. And yeah. I don't know. Like, so here's the question. Should they have gone with one of their other versions that this uh, producer was talking about, or should they have gone the uh, Wachowski's way? Because it, obviously, it didn't seem like maybe she really cared about a sequel. Should they should should they have gone with one of their other director? I mean, not a whole lot to lose in retrospect, right? I mean, you. It, it, <laughs> Hindsight's 2020, and I'm sure they're seeing this movie for what it is, which is an okay movie to see once and then forget about. 
you know, but, um, so it may have been great, but I mean, that was, that's a gamble. That's a gamble you take. Should they have done it? I think so, but I'll be honest. that's honestly how I felt about the, uh, about two and three of the matrix. I mean, one was mind blowing. It was amazing. It was probably, it was revolutionary for what it was, but two and three, it was like, I think I've watched them maybe two or three times total since they were released. And I don't really think I was paying attention to either of them. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly think they should have gone with another director just because we've already like from two and three, we knew the Wachowskis were tapped out. And it's kind of as we discussed leading up to the matrix um, four, which was two and three weren't spectacular. Are yeah. we really just amping ourselves up for another two and three? Hmm. Yeah, and that's what happened. Well, lessons learned <laughs> and moving on lessons learned and applied to Cobra Kai because the Cobra Kai creators, they're saying that they've been planning on Terry Silver's return since season one. So Terry Silver, obviously played by actor Thomas Ian Griffith, returned to the Karate Kid universe in this season, season four of Cobra Kai. He first appeared on the Karate Kid 3, and a younger version of the character was featured in the backstory of John Kreese in the show's third season. But apparently... Terry Silver was always going to be coming back. Cobra Kai co-showrunner Hayden Schlossberg told GameSpot the following, quote, We love the Terry Silver character from Karate Kid 3. We've talked about his character from the beginning, you know, from before writing the first episode. You just don't know at what point he's going to enter in the early days. We didn't say, okay, it's going to be season four. You really have to kind of plan things out. We knew that we wanted to have a lot of fun with that character, and we wanted to devote the story space to that character. The original plan included a storyline that saw Silver returning to befriend Johnny Lawrence and ultimately stealing Cobra Kai out from under him, but we decided to go with Kreese. But by the time season four hit, we wanted to bring Silver's energy into the show. We've seen at that point Crease in crease with Johnny, and it would be interesting to add a contemporary perspective. Somebody who knows Crease and can talk to Crease in a different way. We get to explore the craziness that is ter- Terry Silver. We understand that movies like Karate Kid Three and Rocky Four back in the eighties were not considered like the critical darling that the original movies like Rocky and Karate Kid were. But we were just kids at the time watching these movies, and you just kind of fall in love with Drago even though it's kind of ridiculous. And Terry Silver was sort of like that to this franchise, end quote. I can just say that they did an amazing job with Terry Silver. And I really felt that they did flashbacks from Karate Kid 3 showing how psychotic he was in Mm -hmm. Karate Kid 3. And it really helped you kind of understand Terry Silver and how things were just going to get more nuts. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. So, have you watched season four? Yes, I have not watched it. Well, yet. we have binged it. Well, yeah, we binged it all. We've seen all of it now. <laughs> for all you listening, we will be talking Cobra Kai season four as a main event, but we're going to wait till January seventeenth 
to let people catch up. Next next week, I guess we're going to be watching the The Witcher season two, which we should have watched by now, but we have not. <laughs> so we'll, we'll need to be binging that. So we'll see. We'll see. That's what's on the docket right now. But. And by we, he means everybody except for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe maybe we'll talk Cobra Guy next week if if everybody finishes that first. Anyways, yeah, interesting. I what I like about all this is you can see that the the showrunners um, they are. They are taking their universe seriously and they're putting creative energy into planning out, uh, I would say, uh, fun, unique ways of introducing all these various Karate Kid characters. Because we've got we've had a lot. Johnny uh, and Daniel. Then we've got Terry Silvercrease. We've got uh, the one dude from Karate Kid Part 2 and the girl from there. Yeah, it's going to be pretty interesting. So moving on. Check this out. Peacemaker is right around the corner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and apparently every single episode will have some end credit scenes. So make sure to check those out. <laughs> so there seems to be a good amount of excitement brewing for James Gunn's Peacemaker series, the Suicide Squad spinoff that's coming to HBO Max. Gunn has revealed that every episode in the Peacemaker series will have a post credit scene. He shared the news on Twitter saying, quote, Every episode, it's my way to give you guys a little something special for watching the credits of our hardworking crew. That's not all, though. The filmmaker went on to reveal that there will be special features available for fans to watch on HBO Max. So you're not going to have to buy a DVD or any sort of thing or a streaming release. You just... Well, it's streaming service. Well, yeah, any additional streaming (laughs) service. The, the 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 special features will be available immediately as well. And Gunn also wrote this series. He directed five episodes, and the premiere episode of Peacemaker is on January 13th, 2022. Maybe we'll do that next week. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. You know, it's really good to see to see Gunn. It's almost like taking the reins of this whole DC thing and maybe shaping it for the future, which is something that DC it's kind of been rudderless for so many years. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously <laughs> James Gunn is, is great creatively um, and seems to have a little bit of that, that special sauce that, that makes this stuff really good. And, and yeah, I think the post-credit scenes, you know, obviously, Marvel's really known for doing that, but it's a formula that works. And if he emulates that, yeah. you know, all the better. I, 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 I'm pumped for this show. I don't think these scenes are going to be uh, like leading into the next episode. I think these are just going to be like all like really ridiculous peacemaker, like, you and know, that's pl- okay. playing cowboy and Indian in the bathtub. It's, it's, type it's entirely appropriate for peacemaker. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's going to be hilarious. Well, what I love is that he specifically points out that the purpose of end credit scenes is to encourage fans to see who was behind the scenes and to give credit to the people who worked on it. So I like that. Maybe Peacemaker's giving a uh, tech a noogie or something. I don't know. (laughs) All right, moving on. George R.R. Martin has seen a rough cut of HBO Max's Game of Thrones prequel, House of Dragon, and says... He loves it. So George R. R. Martin has revealed that not only 
Has he seen a rough cut of the first episode of HBO's upcoming Game of Thrones prequel, House of Dragons, but that he has loved what he has seen so far? Martin shared the news on his Not A Blog website that he's already seen a bit of it in action and has loved what he's seen, saying, quote, I am anticipating House of the Dragon pretty eagerly myself for what it's worth. Okay, I'm hardly objective, and I know a lot of what you will be seeing. I um, wrote the book. Also, mom's the word now. Don't tell anyone. I've seen a rough cut of the first episode and loved it. It's dark. It's powerful. It's visceral. Just the way I like my epic fantasy. He concluded by saying the team behind House of, House of the Dragon, which is based on Martin's own novel, Fire and Blood, is doing an amazing job. Quote, Ryan and Miguel have done an amazing job in the cast. Just as with Game of Thrones, most viewers will only have heard of a few of the actors, but I think you are going to fall in love with a lot of them, only to have your heart broken later when... But no, that would be telling. I think the Targaryens are in very good hands. Anticipate away. I do not think you will be disappointed. End quote. House of the Dragons will premiere on HBO in 2022 and is set 200 years before Game of Thrones. It looks to tell the story of House Targaryen, the line of kings that ruled Westeros before Robert uh, Bartharion took the throne. Baratheon. Baratheon. Took the throne and kicked off the events of the original series. Hey, I did pretty good up until this point. (laughs) (laughs) Pronouncing names. What do you think, Bob? Well, in other news, there are uh, there are about eight hundred other things that George R. R. Martin has done besides complete the Winds of Winter. (laughs) Seriously, I don't care. I could care less. If you don't complete the Winds of Winter, I am going to riot. I am going to go on strike, and who's coming with me? <laughs> <laughs> well, all I can say is if he loves it, then that means people are dying. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, man, um, the man's the man has a uh, has a knack for this kind of fantasy. He has a knack for telling a story and not caring about the characters and just caring about. Uh, how well the story's actually told. And that's a good thing. That That's a fantastic thing. We've had too many stories where the heroes always win, where the, uh, where everything is black and white. And where even the, even if the characters are kind of muddy, like, you know, Rand in the, or in the wheel of time, they're, uh, they're for the most part, good. Mm-hmm. When you, in the wheel of time and in the, the rest of his uh, his universe, the uh, tale, uh, tales of Duncan Egg, the um, and all uh, everything that he's created for that universe, nobody is good and nobody is evil. Everybody's just trying to survive in a very selfish world, which is fantastic. It makes for great storytelling. So I think it's going to come out great. I'm probably not going to be able to watch it. But I can tell you that uh, the book was awesome. Why would you not be able to watch it? Um, I subscribe to a... uh, uh, I just have a philosophy about not watching stuff with gratuitous scenes. Oh, like nudity. I don't mind nudity. I just don't want unnecessary nudity. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll, well, I'll let you know if there if anybody's naked. 
I'll let you know, and then you can watch it or not. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the angel vid version. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet either. So, hey, check us out. I'm gonna move on. We had a uh, we had a uh, listener comment saying uh, we never talk about science. So, guess what? I got a couple science articles for you. Scientists have apparently taken a step towards building a real life warp drive by accident. A team of physicists has reported the accidental discovery of a real-world warp bubble while it's observing the structure of the Casimir cavities and a small step towards building a potential warp drive. The, the debrief reports that Dr. Harold G. Sonny White and his team stumbled upon the existence of a warp bubble while it's conducting DARPA-funded research into the Casimir cavities and the energy density <laughs> present in those structures. White acknowledged the significance of the fluke findings, but asserted that it was only a small step forward in regards to actually building a warp drive. Quote, our detailed numerical analysis of our custom Casimir cavities helped us identify a real and manufacturable nano slash microstructure that is predicted to generate a negative vacuum energy density such that it would manifest a real nanoscale warp bubble. Not an analog, but the real thing. He emphasized that the findings recorded by his Limitless Space Institute team centered around a, quote, real, albeit humble, and tiny warp bubble, as opposed to a warp bubble analog and confirmed that the structure predicts negative energy density distribution that closely matches requirements for the, how do you say that word? Alcubierre. Metric, hence the significance of the observation. Space.com noted that a concept for a real-life warp drive was suggested in 1994 by Mexican physicist Miguel Alcubierre. However, subsequent calculations found that such a device would require prohibitive amounts of energy. Ooh. Bob, you want to you be the first to test a warp drive? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, I would. I would <laughs> love to test warp drive. I also think that this is the uh, the this is the plot device for some kind of sci-fi channel or British uh, science fiction television show. Take your pick. <laughs> yeah, I, it just seems like it would fit right in there. Uh, I accidentally created a warp bubble. Now I'm visiting other worlds or other alternate realities and creating a slider device. Well, nobody, nobody for sliders. <laughs> okay, whatever. Well, what I was <laughs> going to say is how soon can we um, flag the Vulcans down? Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. First thing we but, need is a British call box. Oh, yeah. You know, that's right. Yeah. I think that's pretty slick that they feed. I but, mean, you know, it's all theoretical, but so that's we, nuts. we still have time for first contact because that's April 5th, 2063. So we just got to keep working on it slowly and getting to 2063. Yeah, mm -hmm. we could do without the World War, so. Yes, we yes. could. I, I support uh, without the, World the Wars. eugenics wars have not happened yet. Those was I think those supposed to happen in what ninety nine, in in Star Trek. Twenty ninety nine. No, I think it was nineteen ninety nine. Well, we've already passed that. We skipped that. Oh, I know. I know. We we have survived a Star Trek uh, apocalypse. Yes. So, all right, moving on. Scientists are trying to develop a rat mind control device that uses only light. 
A team of South Korean researchers have developed a new tool that uses only light to control brain circuits, emotions, and behaviors. As reported by the debrief, a press release for the study ex- explains that the ontogenics technology, dubbed OptoVTrap, is a light-inducible and reversible inhibition system that can temporarily trap vessels from being released from brain cells, meaning that emotions and behaviors of the mind can be controlled at a chemical level using only a single light source. So I'm just going to kind of explain it. So it's actually vesicles that it says, um, which carry information out of cells. So this would be the information coming out of brain cells would be stopped. Mm -hmm. So the research team tested the technique on mice in a lab setting and discovered that the system's blue light was capable of temporarily controlling the release of nanotransmitters. Neuro. Neuro. Neurotransmitters. The light-triggered vesicles clusterization in the brain, which declustered when the light was turned off again, with neurons regained the full function within an hour. The authors of the study underscored the importance of studying brain cell types in order to better understand brain functions. They considered the real-world benefits of a technology like OptoVTrap and how it could be used in various fields of brain science research to potentially contribute to the treatment of certain neurological disorders in the future. Quote, the usability of OptoVTrap can extend not only to neuroscience, but also to our lives. OptoVTrap will, will contribute not only to uh, eludicate brain circuit mapping, but also epilepsy treatment, muscle spasm treatment, and skin tissue expansion technologies, end quote. Woo! Very interesting. What do you guys think of this? I think that's... I... <sighs> I think that's incredibly interesting. The first thing that popped into my mind when when it was talking about, um, you know, trapping those in the, from being released from the brain cells was was epilepsy. That was the first thing I thought about the the treatment. You know how that might be. A, but you also wonder, and and obviously I'm not a brain surgeon, but um, you wonder if neuroplasticity would like compensate for that for those changes like work around it over time um i think this yeah this is an amazing you very well could be right like would the the brain like start rejecting this and fix itself heal itself in a way you know the brain does that and you know who knows really i mean these these folks obviously are accommodating for that or maybe that's a lot of what this this experimentation is you know they have to do it for a while before they're going to have an answer to that question the other thing is if they use it to study epilepsy and muscle spasms like what could happen with that is they can understand epilepsy to a greater degree and that could be just profound yeah yeah they uh any progress they can make in that in that arena would be great. Of course, one could say that there have already been mind control devices that use light to uh, tell us what to do. And I know what you're talking about. Yeah, all this technology is kind of scary and can, you know, be manipulated in uh, in terrible ways. We need a uh, we need every scientist on the planet to uh, watch Jurassic Park stat and study Doctor <laughs> Ian Malcolm's chaos theory. 
And uh, yeah. it's true of anything, though. I mean, really. I mean, you look at like, and this is this is kind of in the same arena, but not really. I mean, if you look at um, like psychedelics, right? They were they were used to treat depression and anxiety and that kind of thing in, in microdoses. And, and of course, you know, we ended up with LSD and, and, you know, ecstasy and all these other illicit drugs that people abuse or, but science is just now coming back and there are trials going on with using those things to treat the brain. I think between the technology of things like this and the chemical science that, could be that's not inhibited by as much by um, politics or ill-informed preconceived notions. I think there's a lot in brain science that, that we have to look forward to if that type of research can continue. So this just all brings me back to a poster I once saw at my college, um, which was the hard scientists teach you to answer the question, can we? And the humanities teach you to answer the question, should we? <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. All right. Let's talk some Book of Boba Fett. We had our honeymoon on Alderaan. <laughs> Good thing we took pictures, huh? <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. You have no idea what you're dealing with. Uh, Shakespeare in the Park? And that all means it is time for our main event! The book of Boba Fett begins! I am not a bounty hunter. I've heard otherwise. I know that you sit on the throne of your former employer. Jabba ruled with fear. I intend to rule with respect. You were all once captains under Jabba the Hutt. I'm here to make a proposal that's mutually beneficial. Why speak of conflict when cooperation can make us all rich? What prevents us all from killing you and taking what we want? If he had spoken such insolence to Jabba, he'd have fed you to his menagerie. Please, speak freely. special shout out to all you super nerds who have hit that podcast subscribe button we really really appreciate you please help us get the word out please tell a friend about the podcast and i want to invite you 
If you've not subscribed already, to hit that podcast subscribe button. Come on, do it. You'll get plus 10 Nerd XP. Nerd XP. All right. The Book of Boba Fett. What'd you guys think of it? It was good. It, it was kind of a slow start, but 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 I liked it. Yeah. I yeah. think for all the buildup, I should have gotten at least two episodes to kind of like make it feel like I've gotten somewhere well, you, with it. You kind of did get two episodes though, because these episodes are about 40, 45 minutes long and the and the Mandalorian episodes are like the 20, 30 minute range. Yeah, but it still felt like nothing really happened. What are you talking about? Boba, <laughs> Boba Fett got out of the Sarlacc pit. We already knew he was going to get yeah, out of the Sarlacc pit. But, but we, 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 uh, we see so much. It, and yet nothing <laughs> happens. Well, I think, okay. I just think they should have given us a second episode the, for the first week. It's, it's okay. All right. Well, I don't know. Bob, what'd you think of it? I admit, I think you're kind of soured by all the uh, Marvel movies that, or Marvel shows that do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, what I, what I, I was actually thinking about what I would say about the first episode. And I was like, you know, it was good. I enjoyed it. But I didn't feel like there's anything really to talk about that much because I've kind of seen most of it in the trailers. And it okay. kind of felt so, slow. So here, here's what I'm thinking. Like, like there, there's, there's value in this episode that I think is going to come out uh, in the story later on in the season. And, and yes, I and, completely and, agree and, with that. And I've been thinking about this, and I haven't really been hearing a lot of people talking about this on any other, you know, website or podcast or anything. Here's what I'm thinking is going to happen from this episode. The value of this episode, actually, let me back up. Job of the Hut. If you think about all of the uh, all of the um, allies Job of the Hut had, um, and then go to and then go to Boba Fett. Who's the first ally that he really makes outside of uh, uh, his Jabba circle that's not now mostly dead because they all blew up on the sail barge is these Tusken Raiders. I'm wondering if in some way, shape or form, Boba Fett is going to become like a super uh, 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 a super ally of the Tusken Raiders and the Tusken Raiders would come to like back up Boba Fett when he needs him. And and I'm thinking that this might show how that happens because right right now I mean Boba Fett is trying to be the the crime boss the crime lord and right now he's got Fennec Shand and like two Gamorreans that's not a lot to really stake uh, a claim of ownership on being the crime lord but if he has an army of Tuscan Raiders backing him up that goes around and and already has a Tatooine presence and reputation of going around and kidnapping people and torturing people. And now they know these Tusken Raiders kind of are allied and work with Boba Fett. I think that would be pretty dang interesting. Well, it looked like the, uh, so I'm, I'm not going to withhold from any spoilers or anything. Yeah. Yeah. No spoilers. <laughs> okay. No spoilers oh, no. or yeah, spoilers. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no spoiler warnings. We're done. There we go. It, it looked like the uh, the Twi'lek uh, played by uh, Jennifer Beals. Uh, yeah. The, it looked like she was going to play ball. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, I think there's – it's a start, but you're right. He's got a long way to go, and especially 
you know, if he's going to be dealing with, uh, I guess, who's this major protagonist going to be? The mayor or something like I, that? I, I, I did enjoy the mayor and the major domo. I did, yeah. That, was, funny. that was definitely enjoyable. <laughs> really liked the major domo. So was the street fight, was that, a, was that the second delegation? I think that was. The second yeah. delegation, what do you mean? From the mayor. Yeah. Oh, Oh yeah, I've been wondering who who sent the uh, the baddies. I bet it was the mayor. And Robert Rodriguez is going to do the voice of the mayor too. So, are we to assume the mayor is corrupt? It's and Mos Espa. Must be the mayor and the prime lord. <laughs> <laughs> what was that, Brady? I said it's Mos Espa. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think we can safely assume that. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's a I think it's a power struggle at this point, and you know the the mayor probably wants to uh, claim as much of that authority as possible. That's my thought. But um, hmm. but yeah, I think that's I think that that's going to be a big part of it. Interesting. Yeah, I did like I did like that. Uh, I like the actor. I like the way the uh, the Twilight. I mean, you could just. He was exuding sliminess. <laughs> and it yeah, was, it was it was fun to to watch that. Oh, and you know, um, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but when he said, uh, um, "I I would expect another delegation in the near future," <laughs> when he said that, he made sure he wasn't on the uh, trap door. <laughs> he waited until he stepped off of the trap door before he said that. Yeah, Which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah, that is pretty funny. That is pretty funny. What did you guys think of uh, the Sarlacc pit? The opening Pat, scene. Pat Oswald called it. Yeah, he did. <laughs> well, okay. I have a problem. I have a problem. Okay. Why did Boba Fett reach down to the tube on the mm. uh, on the stormtrooper that was being digested? To get oxygen. Okay. How did Boba Fett get out of there? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> His way out. Flamethrower. I am, you know, we, we sometimes talk about science, but it's my understanding that hey. that fire needs oxygen. Hey. hey. <laughs> it could be it could be that there was it's oxygen, Star Wars in, oxygen. The Sarlacc, in the Sarlacc, yeah. but there was acidic poison. And so it was pure oxygen he was getting from the stormtrooper. Okay. Not just it tainted mm. oxygen that was in the Sarlacc. I can take that. I can take that. But that, that that's the first thing I thought. He like took the oxygen. I was like, cool. And then he lit his thing. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so there's probably all sorts of like stomach gases that are deadly in the Sarlacc. True. <laughs> oh, I have boys. Yes, they are. <laughs> Oh, you know all about stomach acids. Yes, I do. You know, I, uh, I am, you know, when I, when I heard 3PO say in Return of the Jedi that you'll, you will be slowly digested over a thousand years. To me, that just seemed like one of the worst ways of dying possibly. And now we saw what it was like to be inside a Sarlacc pit. And and I'm trying to figure out exactly how somebody dies. Does he does do you die by not getting digested, but you die by 
suffocation. So that, that stormtrooper was probably in there from when they were searching for the droids in A New Hope. Oh, yeah, yeah probably. Oh. Mic dropping of awesomeness. <laughs> and he, there was, uh, but you know, you 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 bring up a good point. You would think that the way it was presented would be like, you will be alive for this time. But yeah, the, the stormtrooper was obviously dead. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. It's, so that's what it looks like to be digo. So, so in star Wars time, that was, that was six years, I believe between uh return of the Jedi. Oh, wait, no, no, no. From a new hope, 11 years. It's been 11 years from the time of no, 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 six years. I think that happened right after three, he got in there. Three years. Three years from uh, A New Hope to Empire. Three <laughs> years from Empire to Jedi. And we see, you know, Boba Fett getting out of the Sarlacc pit, pit at Jedi during Jedi time frame. But the show takes place five years after Return of the Jedi with him having flashbacks. That's how it's doing it. Hmm. So, so... So that's what it looks like to to have been digested for six out of one thousand years, and it did look kind of interesting. Like that stormtrooper had the uh, like green gooey stuff on him. Yeah, and Bob makes a good point. We don't know, like I don't know in the timeline exactly when that was he escaped. No, yeah. he. he well, Jabba's sail barge is still sitting sitting there, and yeah. the jaw was pulled up pretty quick to uh, to you know go Take through parts. the rubble. Yeah. So yeah. so it, it had to have been you know shortly after afterwards. There there was still enough time that there was nobody left with the sail barge though. Yeah, they're all dead or they've walked gone, off. Walked up. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a few hours. So a few hours is that what we're saying? That's what I think. Yeah, I think probably so. Boy, it messed him up, though. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty interesting. To see. Yeah, when he popped out of that sand, I mean, he was just covered all... Like, I, in my mind's eye, I had always expected to see him crawl out the, the mouth or something. But there was something a lot cooler about seeing him just punch his way through the desert and crawl his way out of it. It was like, it was like, it was like a, uh, you know... Uh, a zombie come back to life, <laughs> punching his way through a graveyard type of thing. Yeah, he went through its side. He mm-hmm. does have a bit of a zombie look after all that acid damage. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yes. What did uh, what you guys think of that uh, sand kraken or sand goro, whatever you call it? The six arm thing. Yeah, the sand centaur. I you know it was it was new, which was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely looked rough. Um, I think uh, I think the way it died was very uh, emblematic. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was nice to see something new like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it um, I actually really liked it, especially when it put its. Uh, two middle arms down and started walking on four. It was mm-hmm. like a straight up centurion that was like, or a straight up centaur that was just like <laughs> a nightmare centaur. I mean, the only thing that looked a little weird in my opinion was, was the head. The head looked a little too humanoid ish in my opinion. 
You think? Two eyes, two ears, a nose, and a mouth. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I would have liked, I don't know, an elongated mouth or or something. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. It was neat to see something like that, and that, those are pretty rough, man. They're gonna run, if they run across a few of those, they might be in trouble. Maybe we'll see uh, some more in the Obi Wan Kenobi series. Obi Wan taking out like three or four of them at the same time. I don't know. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> I really liked how they used Fennec Shand as kind of the corrective mm. person who's like, well, they're expecting you to do this. And Bob was like, yep, no, don't care. Yeah. I, you know, Ming-Na Wen, I like Ming-Na Wen, but Ming-Na Wen is like, uh, uh, you know, Jim Carrey. She's always Ming-Na Wen, right? Mm-hmm. She's always the same the same person, no matter, no matter what the show she did great in it though. When she took, it was so funny when she caught those two and they were standing mm-hmm. on the edge of that building. I, I looked at my wife. I said, she only needs one. And, then she <laughs> goes, and it goes right over the edge. And I went, see, <laughs> that's funny. That is funny. Do you, why do you think is, is Boba having a, a, a soft spot in his heart or what's going on here? What do you think they're trying to do? Is Boba not a villain anymore? I don't think Boba is a villain or a good guy. Yeah. Is he an anti-hero or is he an anti-villain? No. Not everybody has to be an anti-hero or a villain. Then where does Boba Fett? He just is. He's Boba Fett. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think Boba Fett has ever really been good or bad. He's just been a businessman. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just been a bounty hunter, right? Just a simple man trying to make his way in the universe along his dad's footsteps. Just living the dream. You know, it was pretty cool that they opened up with a little bit of Camino uh, and mm-hmm. uh, Geonosis from episode two. I did not expect to see Camino. I did expect that we'd probably see a little flashback to, to um to uh, uh, Ge- Geonosis with his dad's helmet. But, you know, we got Camino, we got Slave One there. That, that was kind of cool to see. Yeah. Of course, they won't call it that now. Oh, yeah. Boba Fett's ship. Yeah. Whatever. Boba Fett's ship. Slave One, baby. Yep. So, we're, so, we're, so we're, what, what are your predictions for this show moving forward through season one? What are we going to be seeing? Uh, are we going to see any cameos? Han Solo? I don't know. Is there only going to be one season? I don't know. I I, I hope not. I, I don't, I don't I know. I thought that was it, but I could be wrong. Well, um, go ahead, man. I I'm interested to see how they cr- like cross the series because I think they're going to do things that happen within each of the stories that kind of will play off the other stories happening at the same time. What, what are you talking about? Boba Fett's flashbacks, or are you talking about the Mandalorian? I'm talking about the Mandalorian and the Ahsoka series. So, do you think we'll see Din Djarin? We'll see the Mando in I, this? I don't know if we'll see of that course. in this first season. Oh man, what if Mando? What if Mando comes back to be like I don't know an enforcer for Boba Fett for a little bit? I don't think he'll do that. No. Why not? Boba because helped Grogu's him out. Not there. His what's not there? Grogu's not there. Yeah, but he, he doesn't have Grogu now. 
Oh, he'll get him back. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think that... I don't know how that Grogu thing's going to play out. I think Grogu will... If if I had to if I had to make a prediction, then I I would suspect that Grogu is going to play a bigger role in the Obi Wan series. Mm. That's just my thought. I don't know. After I could episode be wrong. three, maybe. Hmm. The only way that would work in my in my head canon is. You know, when Yoda and Obi-Wan went back to the Jedi Temple to kind of reverse the distress signal that was pulling everybody to it, maybe oh, yeah. maybe, maybe they find Grogu um, on his way there, and then he gets the distress signal to turn away or something. I don't know. I stand firm that the Bad Batch saves Grogu. Okay. But, but, <laughs> but will we see Din Djarin in this? What do you guys think? Is it a yes? We will see the we will see the Mandalorian in it. Maybe a short cameo. Um, I could see them setting up the what um, Din Djarin's going to be doing okay. next. Well, then, in season three then, from here. Then what is then what will Din Djarin be doing in season one of the Book of Boba Fett? He'll be becoming the leader of Mandalore. <sighs> no, that ain't gonna happen on a little backstory thing on Boba Fett show. They'll happen on I'm like. Not- Mandalorian season you three. You asked what season three was going to be. No, no. I asked what is, what will Mando be doing on the Book of Boba Fett. I think it's going to, whatever he does in the Book of Boba Fett, it will set the storyline, the plot for season three. That's all okay, I said. Okay, but, but what will pull Mando into the Book of Boba Fett, though? Is is Mando, I, I th- they, they got to team up to do something cool. They, they got to team up. Mando's got to be some sort of enforcer for Boba Fett, or Boba Fett, you know, request help, get some help or something. Well, Mando knows how to do bounty hunting. That's all he's done before Grogu. Will he go back to bounty hunting and do a bounty hunt for Boba? What if, what if Mando's old convent comes and lives at Jabba's palace under Boba's rule? And Boba uh, and Boba's palace becomes like a, a giant Mandalorian like gang hangout. Oh, I think that'd be cool. <laughs> I'm I'm more inclined to think that will it'll be more likely that Boba Fett will establish his his criminal enterprise and his influence, and we would be more likely to see that in. Mandalorian than we would be to see Mando back here with Boba Fett. Yeah, true. So you don't think That's, we'll see Mando and Boba Fett then? I, I don't. I don't think we will. I, I, I could see like a cameo thing. Like a small thing. Like not a yeah. really big thing. But I could see it happening. Some people have been saying on the internet that uh, in one of the, the Boba Fett trailers you hear Din Djarin speaking. Hmm. I don't know about that. People on the internet also say the earth is flat, so. <laughs> All right, well, well, will we get any sort of cameos? Like, there is that there is that rumor going around that uh, Harrison Ford is somehow going to be coming back to Star Wars. Would, would he be doing a uh, de-aged Han Solo in the Book of Boba Fett? Wasn't the purpose of getting Han Solo killed so he didn't have to do any more Star Wars? I thought so. Well, that's more of a theory. 
an educated guess based on previous a previous information. theory. Yeah. I think it'd be cool actually to see uh, a uh, Han Solo and Boba Fett, you know, conversation post uh, Return of the Jedi. Like, uh, <laughs> how would that go down? So, so how you been? Uh, been okay. <laughs> how you been? I've uh, been all right. Cool. <laughs> do, do you want? No. Oh, dude, you know, it'd be crazy if Boba Fett asked Han Solo if he'd be willing to uh, smuggle drugs for him, because that was the whole. <laughs> that was the whole. Th- whole reason that Jabba was mad at Han Solo and, and sent Benny bounty hunters after him to begin with. <laughs> so uh, I got the spice, right? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I don't know that. I mean, I really don't know that we'll see. We're certainly going to see things that are familiar, right? And that's already that's already kind, you know, with Mos Espa being there and, and, or with it being set in Tatooine and Mos Espa. And I, we're going to see things that are familiar. I don't know that we're going to see any cameos though. Well, what do, do you think we could see a hut? Another hut? Uh, one mm. of Jabba's uh, friends or family or coming to try and take back. Yeah. Maybe uh, or something that I hadn't even considered that. I mean, it's Jabba's palace. You know, when when you think of huts, you think of Jabba's what palace. What was that one hut from the Clone Wars that was? Oh, um, he talked like this. How? <laughs> oh, oh, tell me. Gar- Gardula the hut. Wait, wait. No, Gardula the hut was mentioned in Episode Two, wasn't it? Well, what about the 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 baby that Ahsoka saved? The baby oh, hut. that's right. Oh, Baby the Hut. Yeah, Baby the Hut. Uh, Gardula the Hut was in episode one. She was in the background when Jabba was um, uh, at the Boonta Eve pod race. Uh, so so there is there has been another hut on screen. We can see her. All right. Um, Clone quick, quick Wars. Question. While you're looking that up, quick question. Wasn't the... Uh, wasn't the Baby Rancor delivered to... Uh, Bib Fortuna. Mm-hmm. Yes. So where's that thing at now? Dead. <laughs> is, is it well, down that, in the pit? Well, I, I, it's dead. That was that was during what uh, the Did Bad Batch? Bad? Yeah, I think um, didn't Luke kill it? Yeah, I've, I've always assumed that oh, was okay. that that Rancor. Zero gotcha. the Hut. Zero the Hut is the hut that you're talking about from the Clone Wars. I mean, yeah. And then there's uh, Rada the Hutlet. That was the baby hut. Boy, oh my. So we could get some huts that were getting ready to take out um, Bib Fortuna coming to take out Boba. Pizza the Hut. (laughs) Pizza the Hut. Bob, what would you think of uh, the Book of Boba Fett? Uh, I felt like it was they're really trying to spin off of the uh, success of the Mandalorian, um, and it, which it works because he is a bounty hunter. Um, I'm wondering how well they're going to be able to play off of it because the the thing about Boba Fett is the the mystique has always been his saving grace. He does he's really only said like you know a handful of lines. Up until he shows up in the Mandalorian, and even then, 
Um, I think that if they don't play it right and they uh, give him too many lines or if they give him the wrong lines, then it's just going to it's going to destroy the character. So we'll see how it how it all works out. I think it'll be I think it'll be fine. I thought this I thought this episode was great. I really enjoyed it actually. I watched it a few times. Um and I think I think Tamara Morrison has a presence in the armor that uh that uh who's the dude in the Mandalorian armor? Um the actor uh, well, I know there was like three of them. Yeah, but Pablo the main, Pascal. No, yeah. the main the main well. guy in the armor was um, the grandson of um, uh, Clint Eastwood. No, not oh, Clint not Eastwood. Eastwood. Um, um, the Duke. Who's the Duke? Oh, John Wayne. John, John Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. So it's his grandson in the suit. Anyways, I think Tamara Morrison has a a bigger presence, a more threatening presence, I should say, than than uh the Pedro Mandalorian. Pascal. Yeah. Hmm. And um and I and I like it. It's uh you know, I want my Mandalorian's dangerous. Now I'm not saying that that uh the Mandalorian was not dangerous. He was. Uh and he and he did have a threatening presence. I just think Tamara Morrison had a more threatening presence. Um and I enjoy it quite a bit. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you on that. Um, I think that there's a uh, he has a it's so have you ever met people that like they can they can hush a room just by like raising a, just like barely lifting their hand mm-hmm. they can just kind of you know he has a presence right mm-hmm. he has much more of a presence than Pedro Pascal right Pedro Pascal is more of a you know, get in there, do the job, da, 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 da. But, but I think that, that the actor playing Boba Fett, I think he, he, he commands more of a, of, of a, of a presence. I, I, I agree with you on that. Maybe, maybe this is how the Mandalorian is brought in. Maybe Boba Fett hires him as for his bounty hunting abilities to track somebody down. That's what I was saying earlier. I oh. mentioned that earlier. Yes, but track who down? Maybe to help track down the mayor of Mos Espa. Oh, there you go. All right. Or do they bring in the um the guy who was leading the guild? Oh, you talking about uh, the armorer? That no, woman? No, no. Um, the dude who's leading the bounty hunter guild. Oh, Carl Weathers, uh, grief carga. Yeah. I am impressed you pulled that name out, man. Yes. That and it's right in front of me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has a list of the cast of the Mandalorian up. Gotcha. Yeah. Um I'm trying to think what, what else? Who else? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm liking the show. I'm I'm really digging it. Any other uh, last thoughts or thoughts or comments on the the book of Boba Fett? No, <laughs> no. I think it got a really good start. I'm I'm certainly not down on it any at all. I, I I really like the start. I like where they're going with it, and it's a little bit. It seems a little bit different than some of the other stuff they've put together. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see uh, 
to see mm. how it plays out. So as you're saying, it does have a great start, but this, how good the start is will depend on where they go from here. You know, and so that's why I feel like I need more. One thing that came to my mind was, you know, we've heard uh, Robert Rodriguez try to describe Boba Fett as a barbarian. That whole first opening when the Tuscan Raiders, you know, uh, chain him up and are walking him through the uh, sandstorms of Tatooine. I mean, it's like it might as well have been right out of Conan the Barbarian, the yeah. opening scene. It just it, it like was almost a one for one sci-fi version of that scene and uh, i thought it was very obvious and very well done um i thought it was dang cool dang cool so bob any any last thoughts or comments on uh, the book of boba fett no i got nothing man all right well i look forward to where it goes from here hey thanks so much for joining us on another adventure of super nerd podcast hit that podcast subscribe button and leave us a review wherever you're listening to us. Subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, Pocket Cast, or YouTube, or anywhere else you find us. Next week, well, we haven't quite figured that out. <laughs> Next week, we're either going to be talking The Witcher Season 2, Cobra Kai Season 4, or another Book of Boba Fett episode, maybe. <laughs> Depending on how good it is. Anyways, uh, if you have any thoughts like David S. did, Make sure to leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash supernerdpodcast. You just might be on the upcoming show. Or email us your thoughts to supernerdpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Search Super Nerd Podcast. Give us a like. Give us a share. But from all of us at Super Nerd Podcast, stay nerdy, my friends. Have fun. This is Orvoir.
Thank you. 